Don't you just love hope stories? Great. You've got a hope story. One day we might hear from you. That would be great. Line up. Come up, Luke. Let me introduce a friend of mine, Luke. I got caught out tonight. I was trying to introduce Luke to Dorothy, whom I've known for a long time. And you know I couldn't remember her name. Course, course, I was so intent on talking to Luke. And that happens, doesn't it? Anyhow, Luke. You've got another name. Hello. You do have another name. A surname? I've got three names. Yeah? Luke Nathaniel Morgan. Morgan. Okay. Luke Nathaniel Morgan. <laughs> I give to you tonight. Thank you. And you've got a beautiful wife. I do. Whom I met before I met you. Indeed. Yes. Yeah. And through her, I met you, which is about eight years now. We That's right. Here. Yep. Yep. Alison, you just wave your hand, and I think you've got two of your children there, right. Amy and Toby. Welcome right. tonight. So lovely to have you. It's good. We've got one home with Grandma, so yeah. the eldest and youngest and the other one in between. Okay, home tonight with Grandma. That's great. <laughs> so, Luke, just, uh, I don't think you're a real true black Tasmanian. That's true. I was born only 15 years, so I've still got a long time to go to yeah, be considered you've got Tasmanian. Yeah, to stay here a long time before That's you can right. be a native. Yeah. <laughs> so originally Victoria, Western Victoria, a little place, Colac, two hours out of Melbourne. Uh, Melbourne for about a decade, uh, Sunshine Coast for five years. So I moved from the Sunshine Coast to the centre of Tassie. So not quite as much water, a bit more bush to welcome and start to enjoy. Yeah, I, th I believe that you really enjoy the bush. I, I enjoy, in, indeed. Yep, yeah, just where we, we're up in Poatina, so the missional community up there. So that's, we moved from the sunny coast, Ali and I, prior to kids, to train youth and community workers, actually. Uh, so you only have to walk. Yesterday we had a birthday celebration, so me and a couple of kids just wandered for half an hour down the creek. So it's, it's a lovely setting to be in. Yeah. I believe it's Amy's birthday today, isn't it? It is. Well, it's Toby's today. Toby today. Oh. Toby turns eight today. <laughs> I said eight. I realised even before my wife signalled that it was actually nine. <laughs> and We're off to a good start. And we? Amy turns 12 tomorrow. Okay. So we, with the one day in the year that we go consecutive, uh, nine, ten, eleven is today. Tomorrow Amy streaks off again. So there you go. And Charlotte's in the middle. Okay, yeah. thanks a lot. <laughs> um, so you are um, engaged in training, being teaching, yep. and uh, a practitioner of the word. I, I, I say that yes. deliberately. Yep, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I was in a conversation recently with a bunch of people and someone said, I'm an, they were talking about themselves, I'm a, an applied theologian. <laughs> and kind of you think, is there any other, really? You know, um, but I quite like that description because I think it captures me and, and a bit us, really. Our last 20 years have been in youth and community mission. Uh, so on the Sunshine Coast, working with disadvantaged young people, uh, meeting a whole bunch of their needs, including their spiritual needs. So we saw in the five years there uh, a whole bunch of young people come to faith. And then the question was, well, they haven't come from any traditional church background. What do you do then? So we used to take them through the book of James, you know. Well, what do you do with your mouth, you know? Uh, and what does living the word, not just hearing it, mean? So that's, that was Sunshine Coast. We were asked to come down to train youth and community workers in Poatina. And, and really through a series of events of complex leadership change over essentially 
Uh, much of my and our last decade has been with responsibility for the, the community of Poetina. So, and being a, a missional community, there's the, the biblical foundation. So I think all the time is, uh, what is the Bible asking us to do in this world we're in? Uh, how does it inform how we live together? How does it inform how we do ministry? So hence, applied theologian. What, not just read the word, but what does it mean to do this? Uh, in the com complex world that we live in. Yeah. Great. Before it gets going too much, I thought I'd ask Dorothy to come and pray for oh, you. Is that okay? I oh, did you remember your name now, Dorothy? <laughs> Thank you. Well, I was just, as you were speaking, thought, um, let's, let's pray Hebrews 4, 12. Lord, we come before you and we just acknowledge that your word word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. And I pray, Lord, that as Luke shares from your word, that... Um, you do the work in us, Holy Spirit. And I pray an anointing over Luke as he shares your word tonight. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Dorothy. So in this next, tonight and the next two weeks, Luke is going to be talking to us about how to read the Bible. And it's not just um, getting the sentences and, uh, you know, it's, it's basically a little bit more than that. Uh, and believe it or not, after that, Danny Misdom and myself are going to sit up here for four Sunday nights and chat about how that applies to the book of James. And you've already mentioned that one. That's okay. where we started. Which yep. is applied theology. Absolutely. Okay, good yeah. on you. So, Luke, first of all, I've got a question here. Tonight will be just a little bit, I've got the questions, but if you've got one, you grab mm. him afterwards Please. and you ask him. Yep. I hope they're hard. Um, <laughs> So, Luke, when did you first encounter yes. the Bible? Yes. Yeah, that's, yes. A, that's a good question. It's a eh? good question. Yeah. And having had a bit advance notice for the questions, I, there was at least two levels to that for me. Uh, I grew up in a setting where we turned up at church on a Sunday, so we heard the word preached. Uh, Mum and Dad at various times, you know, tried to do what so many parents do and have some dinner time Bible reading with probably the mixed success that most parents have in that, hey? So I, so I was exposed to the Bible uh, and, you know, through reading it, uh, got baptised and some of those, you know, there were ex outward expressions. But as I read the question, I think the word encounter, I don't know that I encountered the Bible at a deeper heart level uh, prior to moving into mission. Uh, there was a place called Open House in, in Ivanhoe in Melbourne, kind of one of the richer suburbs, but we were working with, really with street kids. So it was in that missional context you start to work out what, what does justice look like here? <laughs> what is mercy? What is compassion? What are the attributes of God? And, and how do they turn up in a drop-in centre? How do they turn up with kids that don't have anywhere to live? So it brought something to the surface. Uh, and then it was about more than 20 years ago I turned up as a student 
uh, for Fusion's youth and community training. And there was a fella uh, by the name of Bob Adams, actually, a big, you know, I've got, I used to have red hair. <laughs> he had red hair and a big bushy beard. Some might know him. But he just loved the word. Uh, and I, kind of what typified that, there was a week he was taking us through the book of James. <laughs> and I think we probably spent the first two days on the first four chapters. <laughs> uh, no, the first four days on the first four chapters. And, the, you know, the classic thing, the last day you're motoring along. But it was because of his love for the word and asking the question, what did it mean to those people then? Uh, you know, when that was written, what was the context being spoken into? And asking the question to understand the culture, the history. Uh, what did it mean when it said spring water and salt water should not come out of the same stream? And then the question, and this is the question I love, and I think it's a bit the way I'm wired. Well, what does that mean for me here and now? <laughs> it's good to know what it meant for people there and then, but here and now, what does, what does it mean to have a check on my now? What does it mean to uh, the uh, spring of fresh water and watch out when the water gets a bit salty? So it was actually through his life and love for the word. I think it's when I encountered it beyond hearing something, you kind of thought, yeah, that's good. Uh, that's when it felt like it started to do more of a, a work on my life, I guess you'd say. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for that. Mm. Encountering. That's right. It's a different word, isn't it? That for yeah. me, yeah. Very good. Yeah. Um, so when you encountered the word mm. through that in-depth study of James, what were some of the questions that you mm. went away from that time into yeah. ministry with? Some yeah. of the questions you had, because you mentioned you worked with street kids, and yeah. I'm not pretty sure. Are you sure the Bible's got stuff to say <laughs> about street kids? Well, quite a lot, I think. Okay. Absolutely. So what questions specifically yeah, did yeah. you have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was interesting, uh, in that same course, uh, we looked at apologetics, you know, like how do you know the Bible's real, kind of, and how do you have a conversation with someone about that? Uh, so we were looking through, you know, it's probably an old book now, McDowell. Um, Josh what's McDowell. It called? Josh, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. I don't know if you've read it. I, I didn't mind it, but it wasn't how I was wired. It, I didn't feel like I needed convincing of the word, an old book again that's, you know, it's probably 20 years old now, uh, by Lauren Cunningham, who started Youth With A Mission. Is that really you, God? <laughs> I don't know if anyone's read that. So I think as I reflect, uh, I think I was much less on how do I know the Bible's real and true? Not bad stuff to know, but I think my journey has been uh, where do I find God's voice in the Bible? Uh, where between the words, in the stories, around it all, what is the whisper of God? Uh, so, going back to Street Kids and James, uh, I think what, what I found in working with young people was that it really didn't... You could spout the lines, but it was actually sitting with them in their complexity that actually ministered. And at some point, you're probably going to ask me, you know, what mistakes did I make? I think that's one of the questions, isn't that? Sorry, Sandy, I'm bouncing around. I think for, for me, as I reflect on, you know, you can memorise, you know, sin and its consequences and we need Christ and, you know, those, and they're all absolutely true, hey? Like, you know. <laughs> but I think one of my learnings in James and Street Kids was uh, 
gee, this young person will care so much more who I am and what they experience of me in terms of hospitality and a real welcome. And having experienced that, only then, and sometimes if you've been hurt, trust does not come quickly. I don't know if you agree with that. <laughs> if you've been, ever been hurt deeply, it takes a long time to trust people. So I think my experience with young people, and it's all people at one level, is uh, am I living with integrity? Am I loving them? Am I welcoming them? Because when I have done that, there's often a point where they say, tell me why you're living this way and tell me a bit about it. Whereas I think one of my early mistakes was to have all the Bible verses ready to, you know, <laughs> give a quick... But there's something about... Some people call it pre-evangelism, I guess. What does it mean to have a real relationship and then to share kind of the hope, the reason for the hope I have, rather than trying to... I haven't had a lot of success. Maybe I'm just not bright enough. Convincing people of stuff. <laughs> but there's something about when you've shared life and you share deeply of your own faith experience. For me, that's, that is the thing that has affected people more. Thanks, Luke. Mm. That, that's a good answer, isn't it? Very good, yeah. Uh, Luke, when I first started studying mm. the Word, mm. Scripture, part of my attitude was I had to get to know it, to master it, to all of those words so that I could be the expert on the Scriptures. Yeah. I think that lasted about two or three years after Bible college yep. <laughs> when I discovered some other truths about mm. the Word of God. Mm. So what, as you've journeyed as a mm. Christian worker, full-time mm. Christian worker over these years, as yep. a dad, as a leader, mm. as a member of your community, yeah. how have you explored a deeper way of mm. understanding the Word? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yep. Thank you. And I resonate with some of your experience. I remember a little bookmark I made in a, probably an early version of Word or before then. You know, I thought, if I just know all the Bible books by memory, I'll be able to find stuff quickly and I'll be across things. <laughs> Funnily enough, that didn't necessarily produce a lot of fruit. Probably produced a bit of knowledge, <laughs> which isn't bad. It's good to be able to find stuff in, in the Bible, hey? Uh, at least in the days before apps where it's really easy to find. Uh, but I, I think... I think it was actually, it was an experience that, one experience in a few that took me to a deeper place with the scriptures uh, about, wow, it's getting on for nearly 10 years ago, uh, we as a family took a sabbatical for three months after a pretty solid ministry season where I felt way too young to be doing what I was doing, but nonetheless felt called to do it. So what do you do? I guess you step up and do it, don't you? Um, but that was solid work. So we took three months off. Uh, living in intentional community is great. Sometimes it's got edges when you're responsible for the community because it's a different experience. So we decided to travel north. We went up to Alice Springs, a little community called Campfire in the Heart. We spent uh, four weeks there. I think I can't believe we did it. You know, the kids were, the oldest was six, the youngest was three. I think, really? We drove right up the centre, but we did. Um, Kind of I needed a break, so that fuels some things, doesn't that often? But we spent four weeks in this community and they had a little prayer time each morning uh, and they used a practice that I may well touch on in the coming weeks called uh, Lectio Divina, uh, which some will know, 
but really they, they sat with every morning, I think it was at 7.30, uh, five days a week, those in the community gathered, uh, they were going through a, a liturgical reading plan, but they just, they read a verse or a, it was a passage actually, and then sat in a kind of an imaginative space. What would it like, what would it have been like to be one of the disciples walking with Jesus down the streets of Jerusalem? <laughs> what would the dust have been like? What would the, when the crowds pressed in, what would that have been like? What would that have felt like? Uh, what would it have been like to be there to see uh, the invitation to Zacchaeus to a changed life? And actually to try and uh, get beyond the, the cartoon clean, tidy pictures that can be the image of the Bible when you're a kid, at least for me, to actually get into the complexity and the, the dirt and the smells and the... What are it like when we didn't have enough food for 5,000 people? Like, what's that... Go, are you going to come through, Jesus? You have before, but what about today? So, I, so they would sit in an imaginative space. Well, God, how do we smell this, uh, taste it, touch it, imagine... They'd read the verse again. Uh, and there's more to Lectio Divina than that. But I think sitting in that space brought it from kind of cardboard cutouts to actually a bit more real life uh, with the doubts of the disciples, with the highs of the disciples. What was that like for them? Not just for the resolution X years later, but what was it like when things weren't going well or turning out the way they thought. So I think that's, that's been one practice that's... And, and some of you might know the little Prayers You Go app. I think it's put out by the, the Jesuits, you know. They, they use that approach. All of 15 minutes, you listen to the verse, you get inside it a bit, you read it again. But, but that's been one way of encountering the Bible that's been really useful for me. Yeah. Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Luke. You mentioned that uh, the Josh McDowell mm. apologetic approach yes. wasn't really in your wiring. No. And yet it was a very popular book, Evidence That Demands yes, a Verdict. that's right. So just going back to those days mm. when really the approach was apologetic, mm. to where you are today, yes. what are some of the attitudes and mindsets mm. that you've had to change yeah. so that you can learn to grow yes. and allow the word to speak mm. to you. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think one thing that's been very useful for me is, and I've just in preparation for this, I, some of you I think were reading how not to read the Bible, yeah? So I read that and quite enjoyed it. Uh, but I find that thing, I think... In that book, he talks about, you know, don't just read a verse. <laughs> At least read the passage. At least ask what this book's about. What about the broader narrative of Scripture and human history? So I think one of the, the learnings for me has, not, has been to not try and, you know, this verse, uh, what does it mean for me today? Not a bad question, but what does this Word of God say to me in a broader context? And... What is God doing here in the sweep of human history? Um, two words that I may come back to, you know, kind of exegesis and eisegesis. I don't know if you've come across them. You know, eisegesis is I bring all of my history, assumptions, culture, worldview to this verse and I read it from within them. And I assume 
what it means without actually digging into what did it mean to the first hearers. Whereas exegesis is, well, what is this verse saying in the, in the setting that it was in, in the culture it was in, in the moment it was written, and, and what is, how does it actually speak into my time here uh, rather than me assuming so much? So I think that's, for me, that's been a useful discipline, again, in the book of James or Corinthians. You know, what is Corinthians talking about? What was the author writing into that challenges us today with some of the questions we have? So I think, going back to, you know, evidence demands a verdict, I think it's, I've, I've appreciated the apologetic and responding to questions people have, but in my youth and community work, uh, we come at the world differently. Sometimes there are questions of the heart, and sometimes there have been the questions that when someone's safe enough, they're the questions that bubble up and they're looking for an answer to. Uh, sometimes the, the debates about what's true are a really good entry point <laughs> to someone feeling safe and then actually being able to disclose deeper questions they have that are fears or concerns or things that haunt them. Uh, sometimes I think, how does the word minister into trauma and pain uh, rather than how do I use it to win a debate? I think that's a pretty good okay. statement. Good. Yeah. How does it touch my life, the lonely, the poor, mm. rather than how do I prove to you that God exists and Absolutely. To, to win the argument? That's right. Thanks a lot for that. Mm. Another thing that um, is an interesting thing for me, um, I've been on the road a bit longer than you. Yes. <laughs> and uh, sometimes, you know, you think, oh, yeah, I know Colossians. Mm. I know what it's going to say. Mm. But I read it again and yes. discovered that maybe I didn't know it. Yeah. Has that happened to you? Yeah, yeah, yes. And I actually, again, going to that book, How Not to Read the Bible, Yeah. I actually, I actually really enjoyed rereading that. It's worth a read. Uh, because I think there's, because I'm a bit more heart, God, what are you saying? How do I respond and be, you know, how do I serve in your kingdom? Does it... I don't necessarily stop to say, well, uh, what about slavery in the Old Testament? <laughs> uh, what about kind of all those people that died? I, I, don't know, I don't know I'm necessarily wired to ask those questions, but that, I think that book took me into that. And because I think, I don't know how many times, it'd be like, you know, you've memorised the Bible books on a bookmark. I don't know how many times I did the Bible in a year. And that's, it's really good because there's stuff in here that I wouldn't have otherwise. But probably in reading the Bible for a year, I just skipped over so much stuff because I, you know, I had my time to read through what I wanted to read through. So I think as I gradually get a few more years around the track, I look back and I think, wow, slavery in the Old Testament, uh, what do I make of that? Um, so again, how not to read the Bible... It was, I really appreciated the explanation given that was kind of, gee, if God had just said to the Israelites, just can slavery, what would that have meant for the people that, you know, if they were cut loose, what existence would they have? So as I look back, and it's probably what I learned from Scripture is more about who God is, uh, wow. Somehow, in God's justice and mercy, uh, slavery was made more humane. Uh, 
in the Old Testament. Uh, I'm also thankful for uh, William Wilberforce, who in the UK Parliament, how many years later, actually brought in inst- uh, legislation to abolish slavery. But I, as I look back, I think I read over so much in the Bible that how do I live with that? Not necessarily to know more, but to glimpse more the God who took Abraham and others on a journey, revealed more of God's self, uh, so that uh, the world is a more just place. Uh, hopefully bit by bit. Yeah. Luke, we've asked you to uh, mm. tell us what some of your best tools are and yep. resources that yeah, you've yeah. used to read the book to read the Bible, to help you. Yeah. Especially seeing that, um, as I've got to know you yes. and appreciate you and your family, that justice and mercy mm. are really key mm. to your ministry, to you and how you live. Yeah. So what are some of the resources mm. that have helped you? Yeah, great. And I think I think there's some to flick up on the screen too. Uh, there's, there's two books, one written earlier than the other, but uh, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth is one. Uh, you'll see the author's names there. I think that's one of the things I love in that. talks about God's kingdom has come, but it's also not fully here. <laughs> so there's a conquer over death and sin, and, but until we get to the final redeemed creation, we're not there. So the, the sweep of the kingdom disclosure. So how to read the Bible for all it's worth. Can I just stop there? Sure. Um, That's an easier read and it's at the level for maybe grade 11 and 12. So I'm just saying that you don't have to be a great theologian to understand that one. Not at all. The other bit I loved is, you know, at one end you've got really literal translations, you know, word for word. The other end more sweeping ones like the message by Eugene Peterson. So just how to read the Bible for all it's worth helped me actually understand what was behind what I was reading in English, like other languages, <laughs> and that it had been translated. So from, you know, Greek and Hebrew. So one, how to read the Bible for all it's worth. Another one, how to read the Bible book by book, which drills down a bit more, you know, the book of James, what's the history? Uh, the book of, you know, Daniel, what's the history? What type is this? You know, is it poetry? Is it narrative? So how to read the Bible book by book is another one I found really useful. And it, it, before reading a book, it gave me a bit of background so I could read it a little more intelligently. Again, another book mm. that's aimed at that uh, college level of reading, grade 10 even. Mm. And in small groups with your friends, it's easy read and something that will really help you to uh, get to grips with the Word of God. Mm, yeah, thanks. Ah, no worries. Uh, two more. Uh, there's a one by Rob Bell. What is the Bible? And that focuses in, you know, is it, um, you know, is this poetry? So how do I read it? Is it narrative? How do I read it? So really, how do I read different parts of Scripture? If I read them all the same, I'll probably apply them not quite right. How do I get be below the different way each book is written? And I found that, for me, that was a very easy read. It was, you know, it's written in the last 15 years, so it's, for, for me at least, a very accessible language. Even some of the other ones were a bit more technical than that. Down to grade eight and nine for that one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, that's good. 
and I think I've already mentioned it, how not to read the Bible. Again, I, I didn't, not questions I naturally, naturally, naturally asked, but doesn't hurt to think about, for me, it took me into a space of thinking about things that I wouldn't have gone into myself. So, so therefore, that I think have helped, how do you make sense of the Bible? How do you make sense of this collection of books with their diversity? Thanks for that. So I hope you uh, could photo that, if you like, to get some of the resources that, at the age that most of you are at, mm. really say to you that this is what I need to be reading if I want to be fed, dig deeper, understand mm. the Word of God, go beyond just a read, go beyond just a, oh, here we go again, kind of mm. attitude to the Bible. Mm. These are some great resources, and I'd encourage you to get some of the names or come to me and we'll loan them to you. Yeah. I think I own them all. Um, <laughs> so just uh, one of the things about where we live today, which mm. is thousands of years away from Genesis, Deuteronomy, mm. Matthew, Mark, Revelation, mm. all of those books, mm. we're thousands of years mm. away from that. So they addressed issues mm. that they were currently in. What, and, and, and no doubt, when, when Paul was writing Corinthians, mm. he was answering questions. Mm. That was what that first book's yep. about. He says, yep. And now concerning this thing That's that you've right. written about. Okay? So yep. answering questions. What are some of the big questions mm. that you are asking mm. of the scriptures mm. today? Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's good. Okay. It's good. And to loop back, I, I reckon that how to read the Bible for all it's worth, I probably read that in my late teens, early 20s, and it was just right where I was at. So, uh, Some of the big questions in, in the, the work, I guess, in the ministry I do these days, uh, I move in and out of different denominations and different faith communities. And I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a bit of diversity across the church. <laughs> you ever noticed that? <laughs> yeah. So I find, without listing specific topics as such, I find that when I'm with the Presbyterians, they've got a certain view of the world and how they do business. Uh, when I'm with the Pentecostals, that's a very, it's a quite a different expression uh, to move with the, the Anglicans or the tradition I grew up in, the Baptist. You know, just different ways of uh, applying scripture uh, sometimes different ways of doing, well, quite different ways of doing church. Does everyone get a vote or, you know, uh, or is it more uh, pastor-driven? Uh, so I find, for me, moving in the different denominations and faith expressions, I think each time I come away from a particular experience, and they're largely good, I think that's interesting, that's the position they've come to on women in ministry. <laughs> this is the position they've come to on the sacrament, even the use of that language. So I find those different experiences, uh, they take me back to Scripture to ask again, uh, what is the theology, what is the worldview I'm coming from and ministering from? Uh, but I think it's been one of the gifts of the last couple of years, moving more in the broader Christian church landscape. Uh, one of the things I have loved is 
seeing the diversity of the body. And, and I think for me the invitation has been to humility. <laughs> Whatever I think I've got worked out about this position, that position or the other, uh, am I willing to come away from an experience with this church or denomination and ask again, God, what am I not seeing that, you know, I've got a friend who says there is more light and truth for God to shed. <laughs> uh, as I come away, what is the light and truth of God that I might find in the word if I just take a minute to look? Wow. Thank you. Pleasure. Will you come back next week? I will. I'd be delighted to. Okay. Yeah. And it's great to be with you. So yeah. thank you for the invitation. So Luke's on his own. I'm going to get off the stage next week and the week after. So come back, enjoy this series, How to Read Your Bible. Thank you. Thank you.